being live. Yeah, we are. You guys, who let us have a podcast? <laughs> Welcome to the Habit Podcast. I'm Christina Franklin. I'm Natalie Hopkins. And I'm Paige Burke. And welcome. I hope you guys are as excited as we are. <laughs> you guys, it's the final episode of our season. I have I have a lot of feelings about that, to be honest. <laughs> Tell me more about your feelings, Nat. I'm a little sad. It feels like graduation. I mean, we're coming back in like literally four weeks. <laughs> But you know me, I love a good routine, so. Everything's going to be fine. But fun fact, tonight on our last episode ever, we have a special guest. I'm dancing. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, guys. So we're super excited to have you on the show tonight, Mr. Brian Bott. This is Brian Bott, everyone. He's the owner of Aspire Fitness in Colson, New Jersey. It is a fitness studio where people go to get real strong and real inspired. Brian is going to be debunking some of the most common fitness myths that we hear a lot from our clients and just from social media and whatnot. But before we get into all that stuff, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How'd you get here? Sure. Well, you kind of summed up where we're at now. I'm the owner of Spire Fitness. Uh, we are in Colson, New Jersey. We're a personal training facility. And how I got my start was I basically, when I was in college, I graduated from Rutgers University. My degree was in exercise physiology. While I was there to make some extra money, I started training clients. Really, really enjoyed working with people and the results that they were getting. When I played sports in high school, I was kind of not into lifting. I liked playing sports, but I was not into training. Like the idea of having to lift or eat better was not something that I was into. But I started to kind of get into it once I was in college and started to learn a little bit more about it. Started to work with clients there. And it was just something that I, I fell in love with from that point. It wasn't something I initially set out to do. I started in engineering. Once I started working with clients, it was something that I really liked. I was lucky to have good opportunities when I was young with people that I worked under to learn. And it kind of took off from there. Worked in a commercial facility for a while as a kind of an independent contractor like most people. And then after a while, got up uh, enough nerve and energy to uh, go out on my own and, and start where we're at now. And uh, we've been open for just about five years now. And everything's been going great. We got a good team of people that all work together now. We got a bunch of clients that are all culture and community is fun, as you know, and uh, enjoying it going forward from there. Congrats. Five years is a big anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, we, it was one of those ones where it comes and it goes, you know, you realize and someone else tells you and then you're like, oh, well, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> and you just try like, you That's know, go, cool. go on to the next one. Yeah. So all good things, you know, like anything else it has its ups and downs and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's stressful at times, but for the most part at the end of the day, it's fun. Amazing. Well, yeah. one of my favorite things that you do in the show notes, we'll put how people can follow you and follow Aspire. But one of my sure. favorite things that you do is you put up Facebook lives or like little videos debunking fitness myths or common, common fitness myths. And I think they're so great. And I think they're so funny and it's really, really valuable information. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So we're all going have all sorts of questions for you. So the one that I want to start with is the thing that I think we hear the most often, which is, I just want to get toned. So if someone comes to you and they're like, I just want to get toned, what actually needs to happen to become more toned? Right. And it's a great question because it's the most common one that we get asked as well. A lot of times when a majority of our clients are female clients coming in and looking into getting better shape and when we meet with them in the beginning, 
99 times out of 100, that is what we hear first. You know, I, I'm just looking to get tone. And there's there's two sides of it, right? There's the, the side that we know as fitness professionals, like that toning isn't an actual process. It's not a thing that we need to do. And then the other side of it is understanding that a lot of times clients just don't know how to verbalize what they want, right? For the most part, if you can repeat it back to them and, you know, and say, hey, you know, so if I'm hearing you right, you know, you'd like to lose a little bit of body fat and gain some muscle. And most of the time, they'll kind of nod their head along and agree with you. But it is important to explain to people that there isn't something specific that we need to do for this process of toning, right? I like to draw attention to one area because it's easier for them to focus and say, okay, if you would like your arms to be more toned. Basically, what we need to do is lose some body fat and gain some muscle in that area. A lot of times, I think the hesitation is just around the gaining muscle part. There's a big misunderstanding of just how much muscle can be built at one time. We like to use the in-body with our clients because at least it gives, while nothing's going to be 100% accurate, at least this gives us something relative to look at to break down what's happening. They can see segmentally how much muscle, how much water, how much fat they have in each arm or each leg. So on days where they might feel like, oh my God, I'm getting huge, like they can look and see that the amount of muscle that's there is actually the same or, you know, they've actually lost body fat there. So that's really what we're focusing on. It comes down to eating better so that we can lose body fat with our nutrition, being in a little bit of a deficit, but still having enough energy to train and then doing the right things training wise to preserve or add muscle depending on where the person's at. Natalie, do you have a question about the in-body scan? You know me so sure. Shoot. well. I saw your eyes light up when he said it, and I was like, that girl's got a question. <laughs> oh my Go God. ahead, shoot. Christina, I feel like this was like a monumental moment in us working together, and that you literally just read my mind. Okay, Brian, I- I got you, girl. Bring it on. I have a question about InBody. So I know that you mentioned- Sure. You're like, nothing's completely accurate. And this is something that just in my own personal interest, like do so much like research and like looking and digging about. So can you talk a little bit more about why those aren't completely accurate and or like how much to follow them or like kind of your approach with them? I'm so interested. Sure. So like I said, nothing's going to be 100% accurate. And unfortunately, I don't make the rules. I just tell you guys what they are. It gets even cloudier when we're working with our female clients. We tried to, we definitely, our number one rule is that we do not check in every week because you can end up driving yourself nuts. So for those that might know, the, not know, the way the in-body works is to keep it super simple is you basically stand on the machine, you hold two handles out to the side, your feet are on the sensors and a small current goes through your body and that current can travel faster through things like muscle and water and it's slowed down by things like body fat. And basically, it'll use an equation based on how tall you are, your age, and it'll spit out a number for us. So the good thing is that while it might not be 100% accurate, so if you get on that thing and it says 18% body fat, I wouldn't wager all the money in the world that you're exactly 18% body fat. But the good thing is that if I had you get on it five times, it's going to say 18, 18.1, 18.1, 17.9. So I know I'm getting a consistent measurement, which is when we're looking at body composition stuff, that's going to be the most important thing anyway. The reason why they can be off is they're, they're highly sensitive to hydration levels and any sort of water retention. So I have some female clients who their muscle mass and or water retention, there's a, little, there's a little note at the bottom that gets tracked, which is like your extracellular water compared to your total body water. The way that I explain that to people is like your water retention. So if you went out and had a, you know, sushi, soy sauce, bunch of salty stuff, you know, one night and then came in and did your in-body the next day, that number would be a little bit higher. 
And the problem with that is you'll actually read a little bit leaner, right? Because your, your water content is going to contribute to lean body mass. So if you're holding an extra two or three pounds of water, you might actually come up and it'll say that your body fat's lower. Now that's exciting on that day, but when things go back to normal in two weeks and you come back and do another check-in and it tells you that you lost two and a half pounds of muscle, we all know that that's not physically something that's going to happen in a two-week period. What I like to do is when I have a client for a longer period of time is try to take the average of the last three check-ins and compare that to the average of the three before that to the average of the three before that. Because then at least I'm accounting for those things. I have some female clients that, depending on where they are at with their cycle, their water readings could be off by anywhere up five or six pounds. I have some female clients where it doesn't seem to affect them at all. And then I have some female clients where it's like, I don't even want them to go in the room with the in-body if they even think that they, you know. Right. Uh, and the funny thing with clients is that they always want to test it, right? They're like, all right, well, I think it's going to be good. Let me, just, let me just go in and try it. And it's like, well, like, where are you at right now? Well, no, I know, but I, I don't want to, I don't, I just want to see. And inevitably they're excited if it goes really well. And if it doesn't, then they're, you know, they're a little bummed out. But, you know, for the most part, we have clients for such a long period of time. Most clients stay with us for, if we're looking from a pure business standpoint, anywhere from like two to two and a half years. So we have a lot of data as far as, you know, where they're at comparatively. And taking the average of the last three is really a, a new thing that we've been doing as far as tracking. And it makes it much easier. The hard part is when people learn how to manipulate it and when there's like you see like a lot of gyms and we've done them in the past as well, have different contests around changing their body fat and things like that. The real simple way to beat one of those things is just carb and hydrate the day before because all that extra glycogen that you're going to store is going to read as lean body mass on there. So it's really hard to do because what people, what people don't necessarily understand. Yeah, there you go. There's the secret. It's all out. But well, because that's what people don't get, right? Is like when, especially a new client. So here's 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 the thing that is a concern for someone who's starting that's new. Let's say they know they're coming in and they're going to start on this new routine on Monday, right? Uh, because everybody starts Monday. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy what I want because, you know, I'm going to start on Monday. So I just want to make sure I'm enjoying what I'm, I'm getting now so that when I start, I feel like I got it out of my system. And that's all from a behavioral standpoint, I can get behind that. That's fine. If someone wants to do that, okay. But when they do their in-body, now they might have eight pounds of potatoes and, and ice cream and everything in their system that isn't actual muscle that when they do their initial, when they do their initial, like, so let's just say someone comes in, I'm just gonna use easy numbers. They were going to be 150, but because they just had a huge weekend of eating, whatever, they come in, they're 155. The machine, it's a machine. It doesn't know that the five pounds of stuff that's in your body isn't muscle. It just knows it's not fat because of how easy the current can travel. So when you get rid of that, the hard part that you have sometimes is people will come in, they do their first check-in. Let's say they were 155 at, I'm making up numbers again to keep it simple, at 30% body fat. And they come in, they do their next one, and they're 150, and now it says 31%. And they're like, man, I just did, I, I did two weeks, I was perfect, like, and what they don't realize is that like when they decided to stop and measure, they were still trending upward, right? So the graph would be going upwards, if you can imagine. And I'm going to pick right here to measure, but really it's going to keep shooting up for a little bit. And then they measure again on the downslope that happens to be around the same time. And they might see that the scale says the same thing. And that's very, that's super frustrating. So there's little things that we really try to make sure that we spend the extra time. Like we give clients a list of rules. We don't want people to work out right before they do it either because after a workout, you'll retain some water from drinking all that stuff. So we really try to have people do it under the same set of circumstances every time. 
Ideally, if I have a super compliant client who lives close by, I'll just say, hey, listen, when you get up in the morning, before you have a cup of coffee or anything, just come over and do it. This way, we're as close to the same as every time. This way, they don't eat all day and then come back in and do it again. So if you if you treat it like the piece of equipment that it is, that it's super sensitive, and you stay to the, try to do it at the same time all the time, okay, I'm going to do it every Monday at 7 a.m., then you'll get pretty consistent results, and it'll give you some good information. It really helps us to direct people to understand that if they go way too low with the deficit as well. Because a lot of times, like on the flip side, let's say someone in the beginning, they're super motivated, they don't have the coaching that you guys are used to giving, and they just decide they're going to go 500 calories a day and just do hours upon hours of cardio. We can show them, hey, listen, you, you lost three pounds, great. But one and a half of that was water and the other half and the other pound was from muscle. That's why your body fat percentage stayed the same or if not went up a little bit. And we can kind of direct them to either trying to eat a little bit more or if they need more protein, you know, all those different things that we can look at depending on what happened. But it's it's invaluable to us. It's expensive, but for, for what it gives us in terms of working with clients that we see on a daily basis, it's a must have for us. That was a long answer. <laughs> Hopefully that helps. That was, so <laughs> it was fascinating. I'm glad it helps. And also like Natalie and I have like kind of a bias against or kind of like a bias when it comes to in-body scans because like if you're not using them accurately, as you mentioned, they can just give you false information yeah. and, and derail your whole freaking week. Yeah. Inevitably, I, I know for myself, whenever I when I whenever I've tracked what I was doing with my nutrition whether it was like I just wanted to do something for eight weeks and I check, usually the first like two or three weeks, it just looks like I'm getting fatter. <laughs> like even though I know like, like even though I know I'm doing the right thing, if you're used to having your glycogen levels always full and always reading like leaner than you actually are, if I'll track it every week because I know I'm going to just stay the course and do what I'm doing. But it but it's information for me as a coach because inevitably, if we tell people not to do it every week, I can't like I'm not going to like rip somebody off of it if they go on there. <laughs> uh, so like inevitably, there are people that will check every week and then you got to kind of like talk them off the ledge. And that's why it's important for me just to have that information for people right. and just explain to them like, hey, here's exactly what happened, or at least my best estimate. And for the most part, people can wrap their heads around it. And it's really rewarding when you tell them like, hey, listen, I need you to increase your calories by 500 or whatever it ends up being, and eat another 10 grams of protein at every meal. And then they do it and everything goes in the right direction. And now like that person is a fan of yours for life because they're like, man, I want to lose weight. And you're like, you told me to eat more and do less. And like that shit went in the right direction. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, like yeah, like I wouldn't like, that's what you're paying. Like, like I'm trying to help you. Like, <laughs> it's always so funny to me, like as like the doubt that people have. And I guess oh, just, there's just so a lot of people doubt. in our industry that aren't necessarily great at what they're doing, but like you give someone advice and it's like easier than what they wanted to do. And they're like, nah, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I'm like, you were going to work out like a hundred times a week. And I told you to start with like three and some walks and that you were, you were going to eat a thousand calories. And I told you to eat like 2,500 and you're like, nah, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. I'm like, that makes no sense. But you know, it, it helps us have a good way of tracking it. There are times though, when people get on there, man, I'm standing behind them with my fingers crossed like this, like, oh man, please let it go in the right, right direction because I don't know, like, you know, but it, it, in the end, it's all good. I feel the same way when I open somebody's tracker. I'm uh, like, please yeah. show me that they're tracking in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, yeah. I all relate to that. that feeling. Yeah. 
it's just out of a fear of like, cause you, especially if it's someone, you know, is putting effort into yeah. it and you're just like, man, please let, like, let this go in the right direction because I don't know where they're going to go if it doesn't, but, yeah. um, we're just so invested. Good. Just like, so yeah. I don't know. I feel like clients we're getting off topic, but I feel like clients don't sure. understand like how like deeply invested we are oh in God. them yeah. seeing results and being happy and confident and getting stronger. Sure. Like <laughs> it's all we think yeah. about <laughs> pretty much just like living and breathing. That's all we think about. All right. So moving right along. So one of the things that you said when you first started talking about the in-body was that, or about like toning was how you like ask or have people like visualize like one area. So can you target one area on your body? Uh, unfortunately not. As, as you guys can probably already tell, I'm kind of a, a nerd when it comes to like the research into some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are some studies that you can, that with very, but that you could, but the very small amount that it would produce and the amount of work that you would, I'm talking about like sitting and doing leg extensions for a set of a thousand, like, and when you're already super lean, right? So, you know, for the amount of time that our clients are going to be putting into their fitness and the amount of result for that matter, that would ever make a difference. No, yeah, getting stronger at your your basic compound movements, your you know your squats, your deadlifts, lunges, presses, things like that are always going to be your biggest bang for your buck. Unfortunately, everyone has hormonal differences. Body fat likes to come where it likes to come from. I've had women that I've worked with for different like bikini or figure shows that if you saw a picture of their abs, you'd be like, oh my god, that girl's shredded. And then if I showed you a picture of her legs at the same time you would be like, man, like, does this person work out? Like, and there's hormonal, obviously, reasons for that, and things that you adjust. But as far as like, unfortunately, it's like anything else, the spot that you probably want to lose it the most will probably be the last place that it comes from. So patience is always, always the best thing. Oh, my God, I could like, literally detail the exact spots that are always the last to go on my body. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Cause like a lot of times, like back to the, you know, the process of dieting and things like that. I think a lot of times, depending on the person's workout history too, a lot of times when they start, they might actually feel like they look worse because depending on what, especially if someone decides that they're going to do a low carbohydrate diet, because again, they lose all that water, they lose all that muscle glycogen. So the muscle they do have tends to look flat as it put, it's why like if you go out after a night and you have tacos, tequila and salt, you're like, man, you wake up in the morning, you're like, should eat this stuff all the time. Look, pretty good like because now like your your muscle glycogen you have a little extra water retention you're not depleted tends to visually anyway look a little bit better because the muscles are a little bit fuller so a lot of times there's that period of where people are just starting to make progress and maybe they are starting to get to a point where they're they're hitting a decent deficit and now they're they are glycogen depleted and depending on what their frame is like a lot of times people suffer from that too they feel like man i look worse when it's just part of the process so interesting. So let's Team since you I'm sorry. I just am like loving everything that's coming out of your mouth because I'm like, uh is any amazing? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you, if you eat carbs, if you were if you if you're gonna take like pictures, like if you were if you were dieting and towards like a, a vacation that you were gonna take pictures for, most of the time, you know, manipulating salt and carbohydrate is the best way to look a little bit better for those pictures. And it's all just it's all just smoke and mirror type stuff, but it, you know, that's, that's what people do and it works, <laughs> but for a moment of time, and that's what people don't understand, like that picture that they saw 
was a protocol that they followed to do something for one day and sometimes not even a day for 30 minutes. It's a hard part, right? Because everybody wants to know, like, does that work? And it's like, all right, well, what do you mean? Does it work? Does it work forever? Does it work for 30 seconds? Does it work for your life? Like, it, that's the hard part, right? Cause deciphering that with somebody is tough sometimes. But again, a long, a long, a long answer for uh, no, unfortunately, we can't. But, but good. Hopefully it was helpful. It was. I also love that you mentioned that most of these people that you see with those like super duper shredded bods like nobody walks around looking like that nobody like you you don't just like wake up and and walk around and look like that 24 7 that's like a specific lighting is involved absolutely yeah i mean if i did one contest before in my life and i was miserable doing it but i wanted to go through it to understand the process and literally the differences in pictures of like after we did the the salt and water loading and things like that before the contest type stuff was incredible but mentally it, it's a, it's not a, at least for me i know some people really enjoy it and that's that's cool too um but for me it was like just a thing that i wanted to do to have done it once and but mentally it was it was no fun to be there i, I couldn't imagine but yeah for one moment in time everything's set up to be perfect and honestly if it's magazine stuff most of it's going to be touched up anyway but even the people that are in there yeah no one's walking around like that all the time that brings (laughs) us to our next topic which is one of my favorite things especially because most of your clients are women right yes so i there's this kind of idea that women need to work out differently than men and the the one that i see the most is that women should lift lighter weights at higher rep schemes versus heavier weights at lower rep schemes to avoid getting bulky talk about that all right well that's an easy one i will say this that we don't train for for clients that have similar goals we train them similarly so if it was a male or a female client that was looking to lose body fat what we would do is essentially going to be the same now from a program design standpoint there's a there's also a part of it of making sure that they like what they're doing, right? Because I I could be, you know, my background was in was at first in powerlifting. And, you know, obviously, I couldn't be like, you know, for every female client that I had, like, all right, we're doing three rep max deadlift today, let's go like, your mom, would, you know, you would have ran out the door. You know, you have to, you have to find a way to combine what they need with what they might like. But from a pure from a exercise standpoint, we use the same exercises, compound exercises, squats, deadlifts, presses, lunges, you know, sled pushes, things like that. Any any of the modifications that we're going to make exercise-wise would be really based on something that we may or may not have seen in in a movement screening so that we thought that 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 exercise wouldn't be appropriate for them. The funny thing is is that when you have that conversation with women about, you know, the rep ranges and it's like, you know, all right, just so you understand, like most of the bodybuilders are going to be using that rep range with those type of weights. So, it's much, you know, they don't they don't I, I understand it's another one of those common misconceptions, right? If I lift heavy and do those type of exercises, I'm going to get big and bulky. And for the most part, you know, big and bulky is really just going to come from nutrition and how much is coming in. And unfortunately, genetics, there are women that tend to carry or put on muscle a little bit easier than other women. With that said, I always like to play devil's advocate in that I do find a lot of my female clients don't like having big traps. Right. Like, so that, you know, I don't think I've, I've, I've had women come in and ask for changing other things, but I've never had them come in and say like, you know what? I just want to build my traps <laughs> and, uh, and I'd be cool if someone did, but anyway, you know, so maybe like high rep 
power cleans might be something that I, or hang cleans or something like that might be something that I, I leave out if we talked about that, but it's always going to come down to the person and what their goals are. You know, for the most part, if they're looking to lose body fat, we need to be training hard in some of those rep ranges for some of the hormonal responses that come from that. Um, so we'd be really missing opportunities by not doing that. So with that said, we ease them into it, right? We might start, you know, with exercises that are a little bit easier to approach in the beginning, um, rather than going right to a barbell deadlift, doing dumbbell RDLs or something that in that same hinging pattern that's going to work the same muscles in the beginning is probably just fine. Really with any client, I'm just looking to establish trust and buy-in, right? If I just say, if, if I just answer that question, like, yeah, don't worry about that. You don't have the physiology to do that. All they're going to hear, especially from me is, you know, being a guy is, oh, here's another guy that's not listening to me. He's not understanding what I want, even though I do. And even though what I'd be saying would be correct, I don't know that I'm going to get the trust from that person. If I just go, yeah, don't worry about it. You, you can't do that. You don't have the hormones to do that. Um, and when I'm talking to other trainers, I make sure I mention that too, because you know, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of coaches that like to kind of shout that really quick. And it's like, all right, if a woman walked in here right now with a check for 500 grand and said, I just want to get jacked, like, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm not your guy. Like, <laughs> like I, I can't help you with that. Like, sorry. Like, no, there it, it is, it is a, within the realm of possibility. But you know, not with the nutrition plan that you'd be working from. If your goals are body comp related, where were, you know, where you guys would set someone's macronutrients and calories at isn't going to be conducive to doing that. So yes, it's important, especially for, for women to focus on getting stronger in those core movements. And, and that's usually what we focus on. So lifting lighter weights at a really high rep scheme versus lifting heavier weights at a lower rep scheme or going doing like a one rep max or three rep max or something like that. What's the difference in what's happening when that when you're doing that? Well, at the higher rep ranges, like in the 15 to 20, I mean, you can, you could build muscle at any rep range, you know, when they do the research of that, it really comes down to effort, right? If you do five reps with a weight, that's not hard for five reps, then you're not really going to get anything out of that either, right? A lot of times people, people mistake too that like, you know, all right, if you want to do 15 or 20, like that still has to be heavy for 15 to 20. Right. So we have a rule that we use. It's like plus or minus two. So we'll usually give people a rep range. And so let's say we pr program something like a front squat for 10 to 12 reps. So if we put 10 reps on the paper, if they're able to do, if they're able to do 12 consistently for all their sets, then we'll move the weight up for the next time. Okay. If they were, if they were only able to get eight, so, you know, minus two of that, then we'll say for what we're trying to work on right now, it's a little heavy. Let's move it, move it down a little bit. When we're looking at the higher rep ranges, we're looking at muscular endurance. You know, how, how long can a muscle continue to do what it's doing at that range? When we start getting into the mid ranges around, you know, anywhere from eight to 12, we're starting to get into the hypertrophy ranges where we're looking at building muscle. Anything lower than that, depending on how heavy you make it would either be you know, power if you were keeping it relatively light, or if we were going to go heavy in, in a one to five rep range would be more strength training. I think what women might misunderstand about that is they want to go to that eight to 12 range because they've read higher, lighter weights, but understanding that the opportunity uh, for all the benefits of getting your body to burn body fat of lifting heavy at one to five, a lot of those strength trainers in the beginning are just going to be neurological. Your, your body's just getting better at what it's doing. 
you're not necessarily putting on muscle to do it. So meaning if you've never deadlifted before and you go over to bend over and pick up the bar, your body's just going to fire every single muscle that it can because it doesn't know what muscles to turn on and turn off, right? You know, if you if you have a beginner who's consistently adding five or 10 pounds to a lift like that every week, they're not adding that substantial amount of muscle that's helping them get stronger. Their body's just getting better at the movement, which, you know, for, for someone who's looking not to put on muscle, that would probably be exactly what I would have them do. I would have everything in that range and keep it at 80, 85% and just stay in, in that range because that would be those would be the type of adaptations that you would get rather than adding muscle. It really comes down when you're looking at adding muscle or getting too bulky, it just comes down to calories and how intensely are you training. Um, it can happen at any rep range. So it's important depending on what your goals are to kind of get a balance of both. That's such a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, with fitness, that tends to be the answer for everything, right? It's like, what about this? Well, both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit of each, yeah, which is a hard thing to sell sometimes, but that's... That's that's what we do. Oh my god, I love that answer. <laughs> okay, so I have another question for you because I sure. I know that you're you're a fasted cardio fan, right? Oh, well, so that tells me that I've I've written more things in that favor than the <laughs> other, but again, both. I don't like absolutes and everything. Yeah, go ahead. A little backstory is just that you sure. so Brian is actually actually coaches my mom. And which is why Brian said your mom earlier. He said your mom, <laughs> <laughs> like randomly. Yeah, and everyone's there's like, no no context yeah, for that. Your yeah. mother. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so Brian did your mom, and I know that you had her doing fasted cardio at one point. So I was like, mm-hmm. Brian loves fasted sure. cardio. So can you burn more fat on an empty stomach? And tell me tell me your theory on fasted cardio because I'm fascinated by it. So just to, to back up a little bit, when I look at coaching somebody or uh, a, a piece of advice I would going to give them, it depends on what lens we're going to look through, right? If we look through the lens of, is this just 100% evidence-based? Is there a research paper that says doing this will do that? That's going to be one lens. The second one is going to be behavioral. Meaning like, what will the person actually do? Like I could tell them to do this, but if they're never going to do that, then it doesn't matter what a piece of paper says. So both of those things are important. So when, when I, when I know for me personally, when I looked at fat, when I look at people using fasted cardio, I believe that 99% of the benefit of it is behavioral and not the fact that you're going to burn more body fat doing it that way. There's been plenty of research that, you know, whether you do your cardio on an empty stomach and then eat or then eat and do your cardio, that the amount of calories and the energy balance is going to be relatively the same. Now, with that said, I do like having people, I'm a schedule person, I'm a routine person. I think there's something to be said about this is the mindset that I'm going to be in for today of what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to zone in or focus on. So I'm going to start that before I do anything else. I'm just going to, you know, and, and listen, it was a, when I prescribe it, it's a very, it's a loose fasted. Like if someone wants to have coffee with a little cream in it, like whatever, that's to me, that's not going to change the goal of it, especially since I'm doing it from mostly a behavioral standpoint, doing that, that cardio first thing in the morning, it's a, it's a constant, they can get it done. It's something that can be easily measured and manipulated to know that we're always doing it under the same conditions. I don't think that unless you're extremely lean, that it's necessary at all. And by extremely lean, I would say, guys, unless you're under 10%, and maybe females under 18, 17, somewhere in that range, again, it's gonna be very independent on the person I'm giving general numbers. But Because when we look at fat loss, we have to look at fat loss mobilization, meaning like just your body's process of freeing it up so that we can use it as energy. 
And then we have to look at the actual processing of it, of using it as energy. So if someone is extremely lean, and I'm talking like show prep type lean, then there can be an added benefit of the mobilization process not taking as long. But it will always come down to, are you burning more calories than you are taking in daily? It's always going to be, are you in a deficit? You can't, you can't not be in a deficit and do fasted cardio and expect to be any different. I also would never do high intensity cardio on an empty stomach in the morning. That's another recipe to start looking at kind of uh, jeopardizing, losing muscle, things like that, because the intensity is too high. It's a different energy system. Fasted cardio for me would be like 180 minus your age, whatever you get as a heart rate for that. And that's it. Like most people wouldn't find that very exciting. It'd be like literally maybe for you guys, it'd be like a walk with a weight vest, like maybe with a weight vest. It's not a very high heart rate at all. And really, it's a way of, for me, with certain clients, regulating their extra amount of calories that they burn throughout the day. Honestly, you know, I, I, you know, for the most part, knowing I have that variable, this person is doing 30 minutes, five days a week, and that if we hit a little bit of a standing uh, of a roadblock, and I know they're being compliant with everything else, we can move that up. I have some female clients who they can get get away with just doing two bouts of 30 minutes uh, a week, and the other ones that have to do a lot more. Again, genetics will play a huge part, what they've done to their metabolism in the past or where they're at is going to matter a lot well, but it's certainly not a magic pill. I just don't like when I see people that, not the people, they're, they're fine. Um, I don't like the information of it's absolutely a waste. And it's like, all right, that's not totally true. I think the people that I've had do it, I've always gotten feedback and it's always going to come down to the individual, right? If the person, part of the thing that I'll ask when I start with a new client is, do you have the availability or the ability to do cardio uh, in the morning? Uh, if they say yes, then it's something that I would suggest. If they say no, I I, I take a ferry at 5 a.m. to the city. I'm not like, well, you got to get up at four, right? We just do something else. And I think like if you look at um, some of Lyle McDonald's research on this stuff, like you can even reproduce that fasted state like with a five or six hour window of not eating as far as the benefit of that stuff. Again, if you're already extremely lean, if someone is looking at losing upwards of 50 pounds, get it done whenever you can get it done. It's certainly not necessarily. And if I always tell people this, we have to look at things in a hierarchy, right? Number one is going to be what and how much you're eating. If that's not taken care of, then fasted cardio is like 10th. So let, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to see someone doing fasted cardio seven days a week. And like, they don't know where Whole Foods is. Like we got to, you know, like we got to redirect, like, you know, we got to get there first. Uh, don't worry about the cardio. Like we need to make meals or, or, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you guys read um, Fat Loss Happens on Monday. It's just a book. It's a book by Josh Hillis who does a lot of like research into like behavioral type stuff. And he talks about like making Monday the day where you don't work out. You just go food shopping. You prep all your meals. Like that's your workout for the day. I love um, that and, too. Yeah. So it's, he's a, uh, yeah. So if you check out his stuff on behavioral type things like that, because everybody, one of the more common questions I get is like, Brian, you know, what should I do? Uh, what should I do? Like now this is someone, let's say who comes into the gym three times a week and they'll say like, Hey, what can I, what, what more can I do on Thursday? I, I want to do some more cardio. And I'm like, all right, like what's for lunch tomorrow? They're like, I don't know. And it's like, all right, well, that's what I want you to do. Like, you know, literally make your make write out your menu, right? That, that is a bigger investment than, than doing another hour of cardio. And it always will be. So Yet again, another long answer for sometimes. <laughs> that was a great it's a, answer. It's, it, it's just a tool. It's a, it's a tool. And if you know 
who it could work for. And, and like I said, 99% of the time, if I'm using that or suggesting it to a client, it's strictly behavioral. I notice that when people do it, they tend to have a clear focus for the day, maybe getting those endorphins going in the morning without eating. As long as you understand, I'm, I'm a big fan of giving people information and letting them make their own choice. Now, if someone hears this and they say, you know what, maybe I'll try that. I know it's not going to get me shredded in eight weeks or anything like that, but you know what? It was more than I was doing and and it's an easy way for me to get it done. Then I feel like, you know, that's a win. I feel like it's similar to when we talk about IF, you guys, like when we have sure. our clients or when our clients come in, they're like, I want to try IF. And we're like, okay, well, nothing magic is going to happen. But if the the behavior of like having your last meal actually be your last meal and then, you know, not snacking at night and sleeping and, you know, waking up and being intentional about your breakfast and when you have it, if that structure of that timeline is going to help, like, why not? That's a that's a great behavioral change. Absolutely. Do you guys like that for your female clients? Because I know sometimes, again, same thing. I agree 100%. It's however, however behaviorally it helps you get it done. I was just curious about how often you guys use that. Do you guys ever use it? No. I mean, I don't feel like our job is yeah. ever to be prescriptive, right? Like, yeah. not qualified enough for that. But I would yeah. say that, you know, like for some people, I think like, if, like, again, like to your point, like if you're focusing on like behaviors and habits. And if you do have like that nighttime snacking habit, which I feel like is probably the most common one that comes mm-hmm. up um, mm-hmm. or like, you know, going to bed too late, whatever. I do think that like, it's something that you know, I'm like, there are a lot of different avenues you can take. And that's one of them. But sure. Pain, yeah. Pain. I always like as like a behavioral strategy, trying to give someone something to do, rather than just saying like, well, Taking will it day. out? Yeah, like, or just take, you know, like, all right, what am I gonna do at eight o'clock? Well, I don't know, you're just gonna make some tea and like, hope that you do good. It's like, <laughs> all right, like, if you have, you know, like, if you have a snacking issue, like, or if, if that is what you feel is like your thing, it's like, all right, first, can you replace that snack with something that would be on a sliding scale closer to your goals? So make that delicious PB2 and Skr thing that you guys have in your, that Rest thing is back. delicious. So eat, <laughs> right. So eat, so eat that rather than whatever you're having. Well, let's start there. And okay. So that is in the direction of our goals. Like everything, everything's on a continuum. Everybody wants a line, right? They want to know if I do this, I'm bad. If I do this, I'm good. And it's like, it's just this big line. So can we just move you this way? I'm moving my hands like anybody's going to see this. Um, <laughs> but um, if you can imagine just taking steps closer to behaviors that are closer to your goals, then that's a huge win. So speaking of cardio, do you have to do cardio to burn fat? And this is going to be the Not this is gonna be the question yeah. that, we, that we end on because I feel like this is going to be okay. my actual mic drop. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I no. know your answer. Uh, I will, I will say absolutely not. It's, it's certainly not necessary. However you, you know, however you choose to create your, uh, your deficit is up to you. Now with that, again, obviously you guys can tell I always present both sides. Uh, I think there are other benefits of doing cardio. I think there's cardiovascular benefits to doing cardio, depending on what your other, your other workouts are like. If you're setting stuff up that's super high intensity, circuit based interval based stuff then and you're getting some cardiovascular work from that then you might not need it in terms of burning fat absolutely not uh there's plenty of people that are extremely lean and you ask them what they do and it's like i go for a walk every day and uh i meditate it's like all right that guy's got it figured out like you know um like you know so now with that said again 
are, are there some people that unfortunately genetically might need more activity to get them moving in the right direction? Sure. But on average, there's plenty of other ways that you can do that. I mean, I, I think we're all super stressed individuals. I would much rather someone start with some sort of activity that brings that down and then adding another another high stress stimulus, right? We're stressed from work, we're stressed from our lives, all this other stuff. Workout is a stress. To say like, now my other activity is gonna be more stress. We need to get, especially for trying to lose body fat, if you're gonna do it, it should be at that that low level that I talked about too, if all other things are are uh, in line because it goes back to that hierarchy. Don't I don't want to see six or seven days a week of workouts and I'm going to ask you what for din- what's for dinner on Thursday and you look at me like I'm crazy. Like start start there. You can get plenty plenty, you know, probably a majority of the way of where you want to go with doing very little or minimal cardio at all. Good. <laughs> I feel like that was the first one where I said something that someone was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I don't have to do that." Oh, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> okay amazing so that thank you so much brian you got it anytime it was fun so hopefully my answers weren't too long-winded they were so wonderful and now you get to stick around for our one of natalie's favorite parts and the last one for a month nat take it away no no. what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna end up just calling you guys on thursday nights and i'm gonna be like Hey, it's the macro hack of the week. <laughs> like Natalie, we don't need macro hacks. We're literally macro coaches. You're gonna be like, save them. But you guys, time. like, there's this thing with the juice box. We're gonna be like, no. <laughs> uh, this is the macro hack of the week, baby. Yeah. Okay, guys. Hey, crying. Hack. She's laughing. Now, why don't you? take it away since you're so excited. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Okay. So my macro hack this week is staying aligned with the nature of this podcast, which is exercise related and adjusting your macros based on changes to your fitness routine. If you have an injury, if you're just wanting to change things up, And this is definitely, this macro hack is not very like cut and dry. If you're working with a coach, reach out to your coach, talk it through. But I am going to kind of provide like a loose framework for people to use. So I think where I'm also coming off of this is that I am injured again. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's part of the, it's part of the game in marathon training, but as such, I'm not running right now. I'm literally going on walks and those walks are a lot less intense than marathon training. So I don't need as many carbohydrates. So what I've been doing is dropping my carb goal every day, just by 20 grams. It's literally, I usually eat around four meals a day. So it's just five grams less per meal. It's like very minimal, but it's like just that like little bit less that I don't really need as much. So that's kind of a macro hack is if you are changing things up where you're going to be a little bit less cardio focused or intensity is dropping a little bit is to just take that like tiny little plunge on carbs and maybe increase your protein to help your muscles recover a little bit, whatever it is. Same thing with the gym is maybe just adjusting those carbs and protein goals. Such a good one, Nat. It's a little bit more broad than usual, but trying something. No, I really like that. And I like that you broke it down per meal. It's just like five grams less because 20, I was like, oh, geez. Even I thought that That sounded like a lot. That's a whole piece of bread. But then I was like, wait, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. I can do this. I can do this. 
This is like two less grapes and per meal. Everything's exactly. going to be fine. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what, too, roughly like 80 calories. So when you right. really break it down, that's right. not that big right. of a deal. I mean, it sounds pretty major to me, but. <laughs> Christina, Paige, don't what's your macro hack? So my macro hack this week is just thinking about summer. It was 85 degrees today and it just makes me want to go to a rooftop and just celebrate, right? Like everyone, especially in Minnesota is just celebrating this warmth. So I always like to think about when I have these like moments where I'm like, I'm just going to go to happy hour and get a margarita. But there are certain things like, and this is all dependent on like where you're at in your journey too, but keeping your purpose and like your why present at all times, especially as we go into the summer months, I feel like is more important than ever. So when you have days that you don't feel like tracking or you want to say, screw it and go to the happy hour and have three drinks, maybe before you do that, think about, you know, why am I here? Um, especially if you're on a program and just kind of reevaluating what that might do to your progress the next day, the next couple of days from like both a mental and a physical standpoint. So make it visible um, in terms of your purpose and don't forget why you're going down this path right now. Paige, did you get the margarita though? Okay. I did not. No. <laughs> did you go home and think about your beautiful wedding and your beautiful wedding dress? I did. Yes. And we have engagement pictures uh, this weekend. So that's <laughs> so great. Oh I God. love that. Um, I feel like my macro hacks have a similar vein. So talking about summer, I got three emails this week from our client, from different clients who are actually not my clients. They're your clients um, who were like, I'm just I'm traveling a lot. I have a lot of events and I just feel like I am failing. And so I like to practice tiered macros when I'm traveling or running around town. And it kind of like changes that black and white view of I'm either hitting my macros or I'm failing. And it and it gives you almost like tears to fall back on if you need to. So the first one being like, okay, I hit all my macros, carbs, fats, proteins. I'm crushing life. Go me. The second, if that's just not going to happen, is I hit my protein and stay within my caloric range for the day. So focus on grabbing protein, getting to that protein goal by the end of the day, and then letting carbs and fats just fall where they may for the day. Again, staying within that caloric range. That's not really going to affect things all that much. And then the third tier to fall back on, if I just can't get to that protein goal, by the time I get to that caloric range is just stay within the caloric range for the day. So my macro ratios are off, but my caloric intake is a-okay. And I think that's, those are kind of the tiers that I like to fall back on. So good. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm taking, I'm taking notes. Right? I, I like that. I was oh, thinking. really? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you liked it. I'm, I'm not kidding that. And I, most of the time I have to fall back to that protein, but stay within the caloric range goal or like I always can grab or like 99.9% of the time I can grab or structure my day in a way where I'm getting enough protein per meal, but fat and carbs are just like, I mean, they're everywhere, especially like when you're driving for 22 hours and everything is fast food. (laughs) Well, like I, I was like 10 grams over my protein goal in my mind when I got after that drive, I was like, I crushed protein that day. See, everyone just wants to know these secrets. They're like, how does she do it? Girl. It's like Chick-fil-A. 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 Chipotle. Where else did we go? If it ends in an A, you're you're A okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm A okay. No. (laughs) Wendy. Okay, well, 
<laughs> you guys, I don't want this to end because it's really ending forever. I know. This was so fun. I No. <laughs> it's not ending forever. It's not. Enough. Okay. So, Brian, thank you again, ladies. Thank you Thanks for so a beautiful much, season. Brian. You got it. Thank you for having we're me. Taking a, um, we're taking a month off. There's so many exciting things happening in the month um, off. Natalie's moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, yeah. getting her dream home yeah. in Vermont. So, we're super excited for her on Thanks. her time off. So exciting. Paige is doing lots of important wedding planning. She's going to Colorado to see her venue. She's getting her engagement pictures. So fun, new, and exciting. And I'm going to be in Asia for most of the month. So. You just downplayed that so much. You're going on a dream trip. I know, right? (laughs) And I'm going to be in Asia. So there's that. She's going on the trip of a lifetime. lifetime. And she is the biggest foodie I've ever met. She's going to have a tour day food Aren't you also surfing? It's going to be incredible. Literally, I don't even know what we're doing. (laughs) All I know is that I'm going to be visiting my two favorite food cultures in the whole wide world, which is Japanese and Vietnamese food. And so I just... And oh I just God. can't wait. And you don't have a return flight. So everyone yes. send her a text and tell her how much you Seriously. love her. I can't wait. I'm a for little, her to come I'm, back. I'm a low key little. <laughs> don't worry. Older, We're just but... trying to figure out what country to fly into when we come home so that we can maybe hit one more mm-hmm. food place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a fabulous night. You too. Love you guys so much. See you in Bye. season two. <laughs> See you in season two. <laughs>